I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to uh, John 14, and we're going to read verse 16 and 17, and also Acts chapter 2, verse 38. This is going to take a couple of Sundays to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me just uh, say a prayer and we'll get started, okay? Father, I am so grateful that, Lord, you desire that we know you and the plan that you have for our life that Corey mentioned earlier about the sanctity of human life. Father, I'm thankful that for everyone who trusts Christ as their personal Savior, there are many gifts that you give us, but perhaps one of the most special gifts is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that whatever we've thought or considered about the Holy Spirit in the past, Lord, I pray that where there's truth in our understanding, that that would be strengthened as we hear the words of the Lord and hear the words of Scripture. And Father, I pray that if... Lord, for many of us, we've not really given much thought to the Holy Spirit living in us. That these messages, Lord, will revive us spiritually and will see the power that we have access to because the Lord Jesus lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And Father, I just pray that you would just give us open minds and ears and hearts to hear the words of your Son and the Word of God. And Lord, please... Please teach us about this gift of the Holy Spirit. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Look at these two verses in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. You know John 14 so well because this is where Jesus promises that he's going to go away, but he'll come again, that he goes to heaven to prepare a mansion, uh, a place for us, and he's going to come back. But folks, what is so important for you, to, you and I to understand is that these disciples did not fully understand what it meant. And Jesus is not only encouraging them, but he's giving them some truths about what God is going to do. And so with that in mind, listen to these two verses. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father. And he will give you another counselor. Now, if you have a King James Version, the word comforter is used. Another comforter. And listen to this. To be with you how long? Forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now, folks, listen to this. What Jesus is going to promise these disciples, you and me, and all believers, is that the Spirit of God is going to come and dwell within us. But until we trust Christ as our Savior, the Spirit of God is not dwelling in us because we do not believe in Him. And folks, there's a reason for this. Because first of all, the Holy Spirit does not come into our hearts until we repent of sin and we turn in faith to Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And so, folks, what I'm trying to say is this. If you don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, maybe it's because you haven't been born again. And if you have been born again and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then the promise of the Word of God, the promise of the Son of God is that He has sent the Holy Spirit to be in you. Now, folks, that's not me speaking. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen again. I'm going to read verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now listen to this. You know him for he dwells with you and will be 
Where? In you. In you. And folks, it is, it is disbelieving Scripture as a Christian to say that we don't have the Spirit of God. Folks, we do. And if we've trusted Christ as our Savior, He sent that as a gift to us. Maybe the problem is we're not letting the Spirit of God take control of our hearts and of our lives. Okay? But let me read one additional verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. And folks, let me give you a little bit of background on this one verse, okay? The day of Pentecost had come just as Jesus had said. The Spirit of God had fallen on the disciples. Peter has gotten up and he has preached in the power of the Spirit of God. And when he finishes in verse 37, this is what Luke writes, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, Brethren, what shall we do? And here's Peter's response in verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin. And read this last part with me. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now let me once again remind you of the gifts that we've already talked about. Some of the gifts, not all of the gifts that the Word of God mentions that God gives you and me and the world. Number one, and foremost, He gives us His Son. Number two, He gives us the gift of God's grace. Number three, the gift of eternal life. Number four, the gift of righteousness. And we have studied all of these gifts up until this point. But beginning today, listen to the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord Jesus himself and the Word of God points out that the Holy Spirit is a gift to God. A gift of God to God's people, I should say. But let me ask you to be honest with me this morning. You don't have to say anything out loud, but when you think of the Holy Spirit of God, what comes immediately to your mind? And I've got four, four things that, that I often think we think about. Number one, sometimes uh, we think, well, the Holy Spirit is something that I cannot and will not understand, so I'm not going to pursue any understanding of the Holy Spirit, what the Word of God says in the Scripture about the Holy Spirit. And let me ask you something. And again, I ask myself these questions. How long has it been since you asked God, Lord, help me to understand what it means to have the Holy Spirit living in me? Have you asked the Lord that? Secondly, for many of us, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of religious fanaticism, don't we? Strong expressions of religious zeal. And there's probably not a one of us who has not made fun of people that we thought was religious fanatics. And sometimes we associate the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. And folks, let me point one thing out. The gift of speaking in tongues is a gift of the Spirit of God according to the Word of God, but it is a lesser gift. The greatest spiritual gift that you and I can have is what? Christ-like love. That is 1 Corinthians 13. But let me tell you something. The spirit, the, the, the Christ-like love cannot be a part of our daily walk until the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts and in our lives. And let me, I just, I've been wanting to say this to you for a long time. Speaking in tongues, again, is a biblical gift. 
I do not have the gift of speaking in tongues, but yes, over the years, I have known and do know people who have had the gift of speaking in tongues. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18 and 19, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind, that is, in a language that people can understand and be helped by in order to instruct others, than 10,000 words in a tongue. And I, I brought all that in to say this, folks, don't be scared off from the Holy Spirit because you think of religious fanaticism. Because some of the people that I know that are most filled with the Holy Spirit of God don't say a whole lot. They just live for the Lord Jesus Christ every single day. And the way that they live and the way that they act and their mindset and their attitude promotes the Lord Jesus Christ greater than sermons that I preach do. But folks, having the gift of the Holy Spirit is more than religious fanaticisms. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is just for church leaders and for people in leadership positions, but we say it's not for me. And therefore, there's no need for me to seek a full understanding of the Holy Spirit because if God intended for me to be a leader in the, whole, in the, in the church, then he'd give me the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. God intends for all of us to be leaders. That's the truth, y'all. Jesus said, you're going to be like a light set on a hill. You're going to be the salt of the earth. Folks, when the Holy Spirit of God that is given to every born-again believer really is allowed to control us, guess what happens? We magnify Jesus in a powerful, powerful way. And there's a fourth reason I think sometimes we don't, we don't really look at the Holy Spirit is because we don't need the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something I found out. You and I as Christians are in a constant battle. Amen? If you determine when you leave this place today that you're going to live for Jesus this coming week, guess what? You're going to be in a battle. Satan will attack you. The world will attack you. Even within yourself, that old man that wants to take control will attack you and say, you cannot do it. And how many of us have stopped trying to live for Jesus because we said, well, I tried one time and I failed. But listen to what the Word of God says. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You and I realize that the victory comes from Jesus living in us. And how does he live within us? Through the Holy Spirit. And folks, this passage of Scripture is pointing out that God the Father and Jesus the Son provide the Holy Spirit to live in each and every one of us. And before I proceed any farther, I, I just want to give uh, a few words of testimony and about some of the things I've learned about the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying here that I'm smarter than the Lord or His written Word. That's not what I'm trying to say, but from my own experience... And I ask you to just consider some of the things that I want to share with you about my understanding of the Holy Spirit's work in my life and what he wants to do in your life. And I'm not saying I'm a good example of the Holy Spirit working in an individual. But folks, listen, and please just, just give me just a couple moments to build up what I want to say to you, okay? From the very beginning, God has wanted mankind to know him and his love. 
Would you agree to that? I mean, you know, we have talked about Adam and Eve, how God came to them and he fellowshiped with them. And God was with them on a day-to-day basis. God wants us to know him. And all of human history is a stage where God is trying to present himself to us, to all of mankind. And folks, let me just point some things out. God's revelation has been progressive, and by that I mean that although we can never grasp God in His fullness, God reveals Himself to us on a day-to-day basis. And I don't know how many of you would say amen to that, but let me ask you something. How many of you in this room could stand up today and say, this is what I learned about God this week? Now think about this for just a second. If God's revelation of himself to you and I is on a progressive basis, that is, that from the minute that we're born again, God has got something new to teach us. He's got something new to give to us. He's got something new for us to do. Folks, let me give you one example of this. Listen to Psalms 19, verse 1 and 2. The heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaim his handiwork. Would you not agree with that? It absolutely amazes me day to day how God reveals himself, even in nature. But folks, listen to what verse 2 says. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge. I believe that the writer is trying to say that on a day to day basis, God wants us to know him in a better way. Think about it for just a second. What's one of your favorite hymns? Thank you. Victory comes because he's with us every day. How about in the garden? He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. Folks, can we say that? This past week, we sense the presence of God in our life. Folks, the Bible is about God being with his people from beginning to end, from the womb to the tomb. God is going to be with us. And folks, again, I'm building up to something here. From creation to the coming of Christ, God revealed himself as God the Creator and God the Father. In the Old Testament, he's referred to constantly as the Father God, as God the Creator. And I like to look, this is, this is my own personal theology, okay? And, and again, I, but I think it's, it's found in the Scripture. It's like history is a stage. My life, your life, is a stage where God reveals himself. In the Old Testament, God, that's act one. God reveals himself as the God who created the world, the God who is the father of all nations, the God who wants people to know how much he loves them. That's act one. Act two is when Jesus came to this earth as God become man. And again, we've talked about that. John 1.14, Jesus wrapped himself in human flesh. Jesus became Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And here in this passage of Scripture in John 14, hours before Jesus' death, he is getting ready to depart from them. And what does he promise his disciples after he leaves? Folks, listen to uh, John 14:18. I didn't read that, but look at this. John 14:18. And this is, go to the next slide, please. We've got the verses reversed, okay? This is not Deuteronomy 6, 4, the verse before. Another one of the little uh, glitches today. Go back, go back. Uh-uh. 
Go forward, two. Thank you, one of Joe. You're doing a good job. Whoa, right there, okay? This is John 14, 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. In the, in the New King James and in the NIV, the word desolate is translated orphans. I will not leave you orphans. What is Jesus saying? Have you ever seen a child that's been abandoned? It's a pitiful sight, isn't it? This week on the news, there were two children that were walking home. I forget, it must have been, I don't know if it was in a Washington, D.C. suburb. They were like, I think, like a six- and eight-year-old child, and they were walking from their house to the park, and their parents had given permission, and people got all upset. They seemed as if they had been abandoned. And folks, listen. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. God the Father revealed himself in the Old Testament. He promised his son was going to come. God with us. Jesus said, lo, I'm with you till the what? Close of the age. Till he comes back again. But here Jesus is getting ready to die on a cross and he's getting ready to leave them. But he says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. What does that mean? Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit to be in believers and with believers forever. Isn't that what we just read in verse 16 and 17? Folks, don't you see what's happening here? From the moment that Jesus was taken back up into heaven, the Spirit of God has been sent to dwell in the disciples' hearts, in my hearts, your hearts, every born-again believer. The Spirit of God is in our hearts. The Lord God does not abandon us. We'll never be alone. That's good news to me, folks. Because when I get down in the dumps and when I see my failures and when I see what's happening in the world, it is so easy to want to throw my hands up in the air and say, I'll just absolutely quit. But God says, I'm with you. And I have given you a power in you that is greater than the power in the world. We sing victory in Jesus, but do we experience when we leave this building? We should, because the victor lives where? Within us. This is what the Word of God says. So, folks, listen to some things about the Holy Spirit. And I hope you got your Bible open. Look at John 14, verse 16. The Holy Spirit comes in answer to the prayer of the Son. Correct? Jesus says, and I will pray the Father and He will give you. Okay? I'll stop reading there because we're going to get on to that in just a minute. I will pray the Father. The Holy Spirit comes in answer to the prayer of the Son to the Father. And then the Holy Spirit is a gift. Listen to the next phrase in verse 16. He will give you. He will give you. You know, I've never thought of it this way. You and I know that Jesus is the gift from God, correct? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But now, the Father also is going to give us what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. And so just as Jesus is a gift from God the Father, so the Holy Spirit is a gift from God the Father to us. During His earthly ministry, Jesus had guided and guarded and taught His disciples, but now He was going to leave them. But guess what? The Spirit of God would come to them and dwell in them Verse 17. And I know this is going to be repetitious, some of the stuff that I'm going to say, but folks, is this not very plain? That's something I love about our Lord. 
It didn't make any difference how smart or how unsmart you were. That's not a word, I guess. But the Lord could speak to your heart. And listen to what he says. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit another. And the word another, he's going to say another counselor or comforter. But folks, the word another is so very important there because it means another of the same kind. Now, I know that's hard for me to understand. But listen to what he's saying. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. We call it the Trinity. Can I fully understand that and fully explain it? Absolutely not. Listen to Deuteronomy 6, 4. And if you go back one slide, because we've got, if you'll go back, Wanda Joe, and again, I thank you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. He is one Lord, but He reveals Himself in three ways. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You remember, uh, I think it was last week as we were studying out of John 10, Jesus said in John 10:30, I and the Father are one. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one, but three in one. And let me, let me give you some scriptural evidence of this, okay? And if you'll fast forward now, to probably to the next one now, to the next one. Thank you, Juan Joe. Listen to this. And you might have thought, well, you know, this was just a super nice verse, but listen to what Jesus says. These are the last words that he tells his disciples according, among the last words, according to the, the Gospel of Matthew. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of, look at this, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all the same. Again, can I fully understand that? Absolutely not. Can I fully explain it? Absolutely not. But here's how Herbert Brown's mind perceives this. The Old Testament, God the Father. The coming of Jesus, God the Son. From the moment that Jesus left until he, left until he comes back again, God's presence is here on this earth and dwelling in me through the Holy Spirit of God. And someone might say, well, look. You're going to base something like that on one verse? Well, if I had to, yeah. Amen. But there's other ways that this is taught. Let me give you an example. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Paul is concluding his letter to the Corinthian church. And listen to what he says. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He mentions the Lord Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And again, you're probably saying, whoa, why is this so important? Folks, God is alive. God has been alive since before creation, and He is going to be alive after this world is dissolved. God is and always will be. But God has chosen to reveal Himself to you and me. And how is he doing that right now? There's a multitude of ways, but the one that is so important is that God lives in my heart and in your heart. So says the Lord Jesus Christ. So says the Word of God. And folks, this is some heavy stuff, And as, as I used to say when I was in college. But folks, I just ask you to let this just sink in and let God speak to you.
And let me tell you one of the reasons why this is so important. And, and we're going to, you know, we could spend months on this subject, the subject of the Holy Spirit. Because there's a lot the Scripture says, where does the power to live the Christian life come from? It's not within me except through the Holy Spirit. It is God's Spirit that dwells in me that enables me to live on a day-to-day basis for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the only way that you can do it too. There's so many other things about the Holy Spirit. I just want to just kind of whet your appetite and let you know where we're heading. First of all, He is the guarantee of our salvation. Jesus living in us through the Holy Spirit. And a third thing, and, and, and I want you all to hear this. Not This is not said in sarcasm. But so many folks want the preacher to tell them what to do and what not to do. And that is part of my job. I, I'll agree with you. That is part of my job. But folks... Let me just read this, and I'm going to get ahead of myself. Uh, one to Joe, we got um, John 16, uh, verse uh, 7 and 8 on there. Would you fast forward to John, 6, John 16, 7 and 8? I think we got it on there. Just, if you will, just fast forward. I think it's going to be a little bit farther down. Well, Herbert's wrong again. Okay, no problem. There it is right there. Okay, hole right there. Okay. Listen to this. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Okay? One of the functions of the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will convince the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Let me tell you, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, before we trust Christ as Savior, is to show us that we're a sinner. And folks, let me tell you something. What you and I so often overlook is that you and I just can't up and become a Christian. The Spirit of God's got to draw us. And one of the reasons that that is the way God designed it is because you and I will not reach out and accept Christ until we realize that we're sinners. Amen? But let me tell you what this means to the Christian. You don't need your mom and daddy telling you what's wrong or your children, or even your pastor, because the Spirit of God that lives in you, if you're listening to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is going to say, this is wrong. You're going in a direction you don't need to go. And in telling you that it's wrong, he's going to say, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you the strength to say no. We need to hear that in our world today. Even we as Christians. How to live For the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through His power and strength. You remember Paul said, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. How does He live in you and me? He lives by the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, honest to goodness, I pray, and it's not that you guys don't have the ability to understand. That's not what I'm talking about, but my ability to explain. Folks, this is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture about living for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't do it on our own. And God doesn't just say, well, I saved you. For the next 30 or 40 years, you just go out there and try the best you can to live the Christian life. The Lord says, I'm leaving you. I'm going back to heaven. But guess what? I'm going to live in you through the Holy Spirit. And folks, that's the key to victory. Christ living in us. And I just pray that God will awaken you and I to what He wants to do by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Would you let Him speak to your heart this week? 
would you let God himself dwelling in you point out the direction that he wants you to go? Would you let the Holy Spirit of God living in you as a Christian grow you closer to the Lord? And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, even in this moment, would you allow the Spirit of God to point out your need of Christ? And guess what? If you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll lead you to Jesus Christ. And He'll lead you to salvation. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that you'll take your words of your Son and of your Word and speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that if there are those here that have not yet trusted Christ as Savior, and perhaps they didn't fully understand what was going on when the Spirit of God began to convict them of sin and woo them to your Son, Lord, I pray that in these moments they would. And I thank you, Father, that it's a supernatural thing. That to know Christ, to be born again, is the work of the Spirit of God leading us to Christ, showing us who He is, and then transforming us from children of sin to children of Christ and children of God. And I pray for us as Christians, Father. So often we're just walking along through life and we don't think that you have anything planned for us and even if you did, we couldn't understand it. God, help us to see that you put the Holy Spirit within our hearts, within our lives. Not for a couple of days or weeks or months, but forever. And Lord, help us to yield ourselves to, to the Holy Spirit and allow him to fill us, to equip us, to empower us, and to use us for the work of the kingdom of God. And help us also, Father, that as Christians, we would let the Holy Spirit convict us of where we're out of fellowship and involved in sin that we should not be in. And help us, Father, that we will repent and, Lord, we'll turn again to your Son. Lord, in these moments of invitation, I pray that the Spirit of God, that is not only within our hearts, but that is within this room, would speak and we would respond as you would desire. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen.